Just a few weeks away from the start of the NHL regular season, we've actually gotten a chance to see some preseason matchups, including a few Canadian teams and their new looks. We'll talk about them a little bit. We're also going to be talking Columbus Blue Jackets and Patrick Laine, uh, Jonathan Taves as well, and a lot more coming up on episode 102 of the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Let's go. September the 28th, the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Your host, Kyle Grimard, as always. Make sure you are listening in on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, Instagram, and Twitter at ST Hockey Podcast. And going to be completely honest, I I have done a little prep in front of me, but normally I have little notes throughout the course of it. I'm not going to do that today, mainly because there's not, there's a lot of itty-bitty stories out about, you know, uh, really deep dives into certain players and ones that, not that I want to dismiss to a certain extent, but at the same time, it's not, you know, it's it's not the topical. It's not the highest end news that I want to get to. So going through it was a bit of a mess. So I'm going off of things that I have heard within the last week or so. And just remind, so this will be, I believe, the last week that I do one episode a week. And then I will begin next week doing two episodes a week. Um, Things are going to get busy for me. I am uh, very much involved with the London Knights of the Ontario Hockey League. I do a post-game show after every home game, which is kind of starting to ramp up. So uh, things are going to be busy, but I will try and do, again, once games start playing, it's going to be a lot easier to generate content or anything like that. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, no crazy notes, no theories and whatnot that are going on that I've written down that I've been going off of. Everything today is going to be what's what's happening around the league. What are some things that are catching my eye, catching my attention? And, you know, I want to start with this. Preseason games are going on right now. Right, and everyone gets super pumped up about it. Everyone looks into the games, they watch the scores, and immediately they react. Uh, there was a game last night between the Toronto Maple Leafs and Montreal Canadiens. And everyone watched it and was like, oh, here we go. Leafs at it again. And Montreal won 5-2. They had uh, Jake Allen and then uh, Kevin Poulin in net for them. And Josh Anderson had a couple goals. Christian Dvorak looked great, by the way. Great pickup for them. He had four points. Jonathan Drouin, really nice to see him play in there as well. But my my issue with, with people freaking out about these games, and mind you, maybe it's just all fun on Twitter, maybe people overreacting to certain things because the Leafs had both their, their goaltenders who were supposed to be their starters going in. They had some other guys, including Mitch Marner and Wayne Simmons there, and Nick Ritchie played, and Morgan Riley played, and Dermott and Hall, and they didn't look great. Toronto was missing their top three centers yesterday. You can't read too much into preseason. Teams are split into two. Some guys have never played together. It's their first action. Oh, and just by the way, Toronto beat Montreal three nights earlier on Saturday night 4-1. No one was talking about it. 
Why? Because Tavares played. Because Kerfoot played. Because Matthews played. They're top three centers. You can't judge a preseason game when their team doesn't have their top three centers in it. And by the way, also, you can't judge Montreal's game. Montreal's missing a bunch of guys. Some guys stepped to the forefront. Dvorak looked great, like I said. Josh Anderson had a couple more goals. Jake Allen, who's one of their two goaltenders, but it was no carry price. Yoel Armia played. Ben Sherratt, Drouin. Jake Evans, who was a big part of the team. David Savard, who was just signed. Everyone's just getting their feet wet. You know how electric Josh Anderson is as a player for Montreal, right? When he scored his second goal of the game, he's like, yeah, none of this matters. And it's true. And there are some more preseason games that are going to be played. But let's just remember, if they don't, these are not the meaningful games that will start the season. Their teams still have like four or five preseason games left. Everybody's reading so much into these games, and I get it. It's hockey's back. There were five games last night. There were like eight the night prior. The Seattle Kraken have played home games. And their goal horn went off, and that was super cool. They beat Vancouver two nights ago, 5-3. And of course that they're going to look good, right? They've got their, they've got their, uh, you know, the brand new arena, the brand new goal horn. You know, teams like Ottawa's, Ottawa's winning games, and the Ducks are winning games, and the Sharks are winning games, and I just, I, I see a lot of people on social media commenting. Right, and there were a lot of comments targeting the Leafs, and oh, they were up three-one and throwing it back to the playoffs, which, rightfully so, you know, everyone does. The Leafs haven't won a playoff series in seventeen years, two thousand four to be exact. And you know, it's the comments there, but no one said anything when Toronto beat Montreal four-one and on Saturday. It's only when they lose, and that's when people freak out about them. You're missing two of the top ten centers in hockey. Say what you want, but you can make an argument that John Tavares is a top 10 center in the NHL. He might not be. He might be like 15th, but there's an argument there. And obviously, Austin Matthews is Austin Matthews. You know who centered the first line for Toronto last night? David Kampf. He signed on a two-year deal at like $1.25 million. He is their shutdown center. He scored last night. Their other guy... Andre Kasha, who also signed a one-year, $1.25 million deal, also scored. You can't, you can't judge preseason games. You can't judge them. The Flames lost to the to the Canucks. No one's. This is this is this is tryouts basically for a lot of the guys. You know which players are going to make the roster. And then you know what players are fighting for a position. That's what these games are for. Mitch Marner didn't get any points last night. He's starting on the line with Austin Matthews this year. Like, it's going to happen. Michael Hutchinson won Saturday. He's not starting over Campbell or Mrazek. And the same thing with Montreal. Montreal's big guys showed up yesterday. Saturday, guess what? It was Kane Primo... And Tyler Toffoli played, and Christian Dvorak didn't get any points, and Jeff Preachery wasn't very good, and 
Ryan Paling played and Cole Caulfield played and they didn't get any points. No one freaked out about that. It's preseason. Let's stay calm about it. Um, but let's stay on the topic of the Toronto Maple Leafs here. For good reason. Because I really admire what they're doing. They've got their core players. They've got their guys that they know are going to make this team. Austin Matthews, John Tavares, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, Morgan Riley, TJ Brody, Jake Muzzin, Campbell Morazic. Right? And the big thing, the big thing coming in was oh, Toronto doesn't have any money to pay people. And they lost Zach Hyman. You know, but then they brought in a lot of guys on cheaper deals who play a similar game. And they have Joey Anderson, who they acquired in a trade last year from New Jersey. And they still have Mikheyev, who the reports out that he requested a trade. He came out afterwards. He said, it's not true. So I spent time with my family back home and got married. That's what he said. But what I like that Toronto did this year was they brought in a lot of players on prove-it deals who have potential in the right environment to thrive and be valuable members to the team. Sound familiar? It's because they did this last year with Alex Galchenyuk. He was playing on the second line in the playoffs last year. Toronto has brought in players on cheaper deals, approved deals, including Nick Ritchie and Andre Kasha, both players who last year were members of the Boston Bruins. They also signed David Kampf, who on a team in Chicago last year, who was riddled with injuries. Their number, their number one and two centers, John, uh, Jonathan Taves and Kirby Doc were both out last year, and Camp was forced to play up, and you no know, one knew who he was. And then people started coming in and be like, "Hey, he was the guy that shut down McDavid in the series in which Chicago beat Edmonton two years ago in the bubble." Everyone's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I like him." They also brought in a couple players on professional tryouts. Josh Hosang from the New York Islanders, right? Remember, a very highly touted player, had some question marks about his game. You know what else was brought in on like a last chance prove it deal? Alex Galchenyuk. He just signed with another NHL team. Another player Toronto signed to a professional tryout. Remember Nikita Gusev? His former seventh round pick by the Lightning. He's 29 years of age now, but he was like a rookie a few years back. Played in New Jersey. Actually had some pretty good, pretty good talent there. The reason that I like Toronto doing all these things. If you buy enough tickets, one of them is going to cash in. Right? Like if you're at, I'm not going to say the lottery. Because I don't think any of them are going to be like necessarily lottery. But you go to a raffle, right? And you really want, you know, this one prize. You buy a bunch of tickets. You throw them all in the one prize. You buy enough raffle tickets. One of them's going to be the winning number. It doesn't have to be everyone. But Toronto doesn't necessarily have that many open vacancies on their team. You know their center's whether Kerfoot plays center or not, is going to be Austin Matthews, John Tavares, and either Alexander Kerfoot with David Kampf and Jason Spezza or Adam Brooks, who showed flashes last year. You've got some pretty good wingers. You've got Mitch Marner. 
You've got William Nylander, and you've got Andre Kasha on the right-hand side. And they also still have Wayne Simmons and Curtis Gabriel. And then on the left side, you've got Michael Bunting, who you signed to approve a deal. You've got Nick Ritchie. You've got Ilya Mikheyev. You've got Nick Robertson. And one of these players is going to hit. It's not going to be all of them. But one might, and one might thrive. John Tavares came out. He played with Michael Bunting on Saturday. So he reminds me a lot of Matt Molson. By the way, when they played together, Matt Molson was a 30-goal scorer. I'm not saying that he's going to be Matt Molson, but that's praise from a guy who's played with a similar player and had great production when they played together. Matt Molson just got slow, he got older, and he couldn't keep up with the league. You get a hardworking young player who reminds your center of a guy who was a 30-goal scorer. It's a good sign. Nick Ritchie, big physical presence, good around the net, could be a good power play guy. Toronto needs a net front presence on the power play. Who's big, who's physical, who's going to jam the puck in. The last time Toronto had that, not necessarily physical but big, James Van Riemsdyk. Remember him? Guy was flawless on the power. He was great. Awesome Kadri was another guy. You know, if Wayne Simmons gets hurt again, they've got another replacement in Curtis Gabriel. Who might actually start over him? Or maybe the youth and exuberance of Nick Robertson makes the lineup roster and just explodes. Like, you can't stop him. Andre Kasha is a former 20-goal scorer, multiple years with the Anaheim Ducks. On a one-year and a healthy 82-game season, could he get back there? I don't know. But it's possible. But the point is, you sign, you buy enough, you buy enough raffle tickets, and you put them all in your bat, and you put them all in one basket. One of them's gonna hit, right? You buy, you buy all the all the raffles, and you put them all in the raffles that don't get as much love, right? You want the big raffle prize that everyone's trying to get after, and you pay a lot of money to buy it or put money in it. But if you buy a lot of little raffle tickets and you spread them out, one of them's gonna hit. And you might not get the big fish or the big prize like a Dougie Hamilton or whatnot, but you might you might hit on an Andre Kasha who puts up 15 to 20 goals at 1.25 million. Michael Bunting on a two-year deal at like less than a million dollars a year. He might hit and gel with Tavares and he picks up 15 goals and you know 35, 40 points playing top six minutes. Maybe Ilya Mikheyev in a in a Contract year finally starts finishing. He puts in 10 to 15 goals. Good shutdown guy. You buy enough raffle tickets, eventually, eventually, one of them bound to hit. Uh, okay, let's move on here to uh, a story coming out, and I don't know how to feel about this. It involves Patrick Line and the Columbus Blue Jackets who've had an interesting, interesting offseason. So Patrick Laine last year won great, right? Made it very abundantly clear that, you know, he got traded from the Jets to the Columbus Blue Jackets, did not have a really good fit. Now, he's still only 23 years of age, and he's averaged 35 goals a year through his first four seasons. Last year scored just 12 goals in 46 games, which still possibly gets him to like a 20-goal season. 
but this is a guy who has scored 40 goals before. Now, he came out and said this to the Athletics' Aaron Portsline. He said, quote, I've never been a numbers guy. Like, I don't set certain goals before the year. Like, I want to score this many or whatever. I just want to be a better player than I was last year, and that's going to be easy this year because I was pretty beep last year. Now, I'm all for, like, listen, I don't have individual goals. I'm more for the team. I'm about winning, and I want to be a better player. But a guy like Patrick Laine, with the skill that he has as an individual, concerns me a little bit knowing that he doesn't have a goal as to what he wants to get back to. And remember, this is a former second overall pick behind Austin Matthews, who there weren't a lot of them, but they had the odd comment to the odd article talked about should the Leafs draft line A over Matthews? And that, that was, they were serious articles. Now, obviously they didn't because they wanted a center and it made a lot more sense. But there was like there was enough in there. Now he's on a one-year qualifying offer, which is set to pay him seven point five million dollars this year, where his prior annual cap it was six point seven five. It just ups to a million dollars. God forbid he signs it again; it's another seven point five million dollars. So he's not like he's not making good money, and he's only twenty three years of age. But I would sit there if I was the head coach. Right, and I heard that from Lightning. I'd I'd want to sit down with him and say, "Hey, what are your goals for this year?" And if he said that, he'd be like, "Listen, I understand. I love the team mentality. I love the idea of not wanting to set personal goals to want to better yourself, to better the team. But maybe your goal is, listen, I want to get back to the player that made as big of an impact." as I did when I was in Winnipeg. But also, I want to prove on my defensive game and be a more all-round player. Because that would mean, one, he's going to take the offense a lot more seriously. He's going to do what it takes. But at the same time, he's working on his all-around game. And the other reason that I'm saying this is because I just got the, well, this is what every NHL player says all the time. I don't have personal goals I want to, like, at one point, you were regarded as, as the next up-and-coming best scoring in the NHL. You know, personal goals? You can you can work on your, on your all-around game while still being like, I want to get back to being an elite goal scorer. I want to be that elite threat that teams have to worry about. Mainly because Columbus's biggest issue was not scoring goals. That's why they got you. When they traded Pierre-Luc Dubois, they went, we need someone who scores. So we got good defense. They had a good defense. They had Zach Wierenski. At the time, they had Seth Jones. They've now got a building block in Adam Boakfast. They had a bunch of first-round picks. They've got some young and promising talent. They also got Jack Roslevic in the trade. But we need, like, they look, honestly, when he came into the league, a lot of people were like, here comes the next Ovechkin. I remember those people. Here comes the next Ovi. He's got a cannon of a shot, can rip it along the corner. And that and that comparable alone was the reason why there were articles written about why Toronto should take line over Matthews. Those were the reasons. 
as we now see, you know, it's hard to be Alex Ovechkin. A lot of people talk about how Ovi just sits in his little office and shoots his one-timers all day. It's not easy to do. I like the fact that Patrick Laine has said that he's not setting personal goals for himself. He wants to be a better player than what he was last year. My issue with that was his second part when he said, that can't be that hard because I sucked last year. Well, now the bar's super low for you, and you basically have no goals or expectations of yourself other than basically don't be as bad as you were last year, which he said he was, he said he was garbage. So you're just going to be a little bit better than what you were last year, and that's you hit your goal? That's why I have a little bit of concern with what he said. Not because he wants to improve as an overall player, but it's 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 the not even like I want to get back to being the dominant elite player that I was when I was in Winnipeg. I want to get back to that standard. Not I want to be better than last year. Obviously, you want to be better than last year. You got benched last year. It's just, it's the will and the the willingness. Like, he's got a very open personality. He's very great at at on-camera stuff. But I just, I want to see that drive and that fire. And no, is Columbus the perfect destination for you? Maybe not. But use this year, use this one year on a qualifying offer. And go out there and show what what your potential is what it what it what it was when you were scoring 40 goals a year in Winnipeg at the end of the year it doesn't work out again go to Columbus and be like listen i i gave it my all this year it didn't pan out the way it we wanted it to be i'm open to to a trade if you are let's both get something from this you know what i mean like it just it would make so much sense if he was like i'm going to give Columbus a shot because i didn't really last year cuz i came from Winnipeg and, you know, now, fresh year, fresh everything, let's give it a shot. If it works out, great. We'll talk about a contract extension. If it doesn't, then we go from there. But I would just, I'd be concerned if I was a member of the uh, of the Blue Jackets staff or management group. Going to be, uh, it's going to be an interesting season. I want to see how he, uh, I want to see how he uh, goes moving forward. All right, I want to change it up here, and I want to move on to the Chicago Blackhawks for a few different reasons. One, they've had quite the wild offseason. They made a bunch of moves, acquired Seth Jones in a massive trade with the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. Jonathan Taves, he's going, back year, huge. Kirby is going to be coming back this year, which is huge. Kirby Dock is going to be coming back this year, which is huge. They got rid of Duncan Keith's contract. They've got a goaltender, Kevin Lankinen. And they also traded for Marc-Andre Fleury. Now, the name I brought up earlier, Kevin Lankinen. Great year last year. Lankinen is a, he was a rookie last year, 26 years of age from Helsinki, Finland, 6'2", 185-pound goaltender. Really solid numbers last year. Um, You know, really stepped into his own. Uh, He had a 909 save percentage, 301 goals against, which isn't great. But, you know, he, uh, for what Chicago was going into the year, and the injuries and the lack of experience in a lot of areas, those are pretty solid numbers for a guy like that. 
And in comes Marc-Andre Fleury, who, let's be honest, probably becomes the starter moving forward. And Kevin Lankinen said that, one, he's not phased by the Marc-Andre Fleury acquisition, but he understands the scenario that he's in. And this is why there are certain players, certain guys just get it. You know, some guys see this as a threat. They throw a tantrum and then they throw their careers away. And listen, understandably so at times, not throwing your career away, but being upset. You start as a goaltender. You have a bit of a breakthrough. You know, you can improve. Your team's getting healthy. You get all these guys back. You're you're the guy moving forward. You're 26. You're in the prime of your career. And then they trade for the Vesna winner. And you're like, man, like what? What the heck? This is this is his response to understanding the scenario in in Chicago, where he is, and who they're bringing in. He said, "Quote: I still want to be number one. That's my goal. I like to compete. The way I see it, if you want to be the best one day, you've got to learn from the you've got to learn from the best." And you've got to compete with the best. And at the end of the day, you've got to beat out the best. He said that he was pumped when the Vegas Golden Knights traded for Marc-Andre Fleury, despite how it crowds Chicago's crease. He said, quote, it's a really good opportunity. He's a guy I have a ton of respect for. He's been through a lot. He's in the position where I want to be one day. Getting the chance to get to know him, learn from him, compete with him, it'll be huge. He is very aware that he might not be the starter this year. But knowing the flat, the fact that Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be 37 by the end of the year, I mean, he still looks like he's got a lot of game left, but he's on the back nine. He's probably on hole like 15, 16 at this point. It's a reference, if you don't understand. By the way, it's a, when people say they're on the back nine of their career, they're on the second half of their career. So if you're on a whole 15 or 16 of your career, you're you're coming up towards the end. And Marc-Andre Fleury is. Vesna winner last year, a really good team. Chicago, who, you know, going into the season, Corey Crawford, gone. You know, they were really down to their third goaltender. Kevin Lankin and came out of nowhere and became the guy, and he wants to be the guy there for a long time, which I love. But he just gets it. He understands that. Maybe I don't start this year. But let, let's be real. He's going to play some games. Like, Flurry's not coming into Chicago and starting 70 games this year. Like, he's not starting 65, 70 games. Like, Flurry will come in and play maybe, what, 50? Maybe 55 max. Which leaves, roughly, if you average it out, about 30 to 35 starts for Kevin Lankinen, which is what he played last year because it was a shortened season and he played like 35, 40 games. So the workload's not going to change. The season's going to be longer. He's going to learn from a Vesna candidate and moving forward is going to be the number one goaltender in Chicago or wants to be the number one goaltender in Chicago. And I love it. I love, he just, I love when guys get it because a lot of guys in this situation would get upset, they'd get pouty, they'd say this is dumb, they'd want to trade. But he gets it. He also understands the opportunity in front of him and this team moving forward. They battled for a playoff spot last year. And they didn't get it, but they battled. 
with Jonathan Taves, Kirby Doc injured, the corpse of Duncan Keith, who was playing with a 21-year-old in Adam Boakfast top pairing minutes, you basically had Patrick Kane and Alex Dabrinkit willing this team, and you had you in net. But now you bring in and say what you want about him, but he's a much better defenseman than what they've had in in Chicago. In Seth Jones. Seth Jones comes to town now. You've still got Jonathan Taves coming back and Kirby Doc coming back and Dylan Strom is still there and Alex Dabrinkit and Patrick Kane and now Kevin Lankinen and Marc-Andre Fleury is your goaltending duo. Have you not seen the way this league goes anymore? It's a goaltending duo. Vegas with Marc-Andre Fleury, Robin Leonard. Montreal, Carey Price, and Jake Allen. I understand that teams like Winnipeg, who have Connor Hellebuck, and Tampa, who's back-to-back Stanley Cup champions, who have Andre Vasilevsky. Tampa's the outlier, okay? Because Tampa had Stamkos and Kucherov and Point and Hedman and Sergachev and... Yanni Gord and Andre Palat and Tyler Johnson. Like, you see where I'm going with this? Like, they're the outlier. We'll see how they are this year. Though they're still players under ridiculous contracts. But it's a tandem league now. Look at the Islanders. Simeon Varlamov, Igor Sorokin. Before that, you had Varlamov and Leonard. It's the way the league is starting to go. Toronto this year. Mraza Campbell last year. Anderson Campbell. It's slowly becoming a two goaltender league. Look at look at what Seattle just did. They braced themselves. They drafted two goaltenders, Chris Drieger being the starter, and then they signed Philip Grubauer. Colorado noticed. They went and traded for Darcy Kemper. Like, this is the way the league's going now. At least to get you to the postseason. Now, when you get there, I think you find the right guy and you ride him and you don't get him out of a rhythm. But it makes a lot of sense. And I like what Chicago has done. They got rid of some money in Nikita Zadorov, who's now in Calgary. Say what you want, but Seth Jones is a much better player. I don't like the contract, but right now he's a much better player than a lot of the other players there. Connor Murphy... Don't be blown away by Chicago. Don't be don't be shocked if Chicago ends up coming out hot out of the gate and comes a pretty solid team moving forward. I just want to say that. I also want to say I love the fact that Jonathan Taves right now is skating. He's excited. It's a new change for him. And I'm really excited. Really, really excited about it. All right. Lastly here, I've seen a few different lists of where the Canadian teams have been ranked. And... Some people have some teams in the two spot that be in the four spot. And, you know, I'm, I'm obviously you're seeing a lot of biases as well. And I wanted to just go over a quick list of mine from what I've seen and kind of just put down where I think teams should be ranked. And they're going to be ranked based on what they did in the offseason, what they look like coming in and not based off of last year, right? So get that out of your head. I don't care where they finished last year. Last year was last year. 
Tampa Bay is going to have a much more difficult time this year. They lost a lot of really good pieces on a championship team. They will be good. They're not going to be nearly the level that everyone thinks they're going to be. Okay, so let's start with the seventh team and go down from there. So seven, I have the Ottawa Senators. Listen, they've drafted really well over the last couple of years. They have, you know, got some really good young pieces coming up that I think they are still a year or two away from climbing. And I know they finished last year on the back burner, but in terms of all the other Canadian teams, I just don't think they're there. They also just traded Logan Brown, who was a guy that they had a lot of faith in for a while. Um, they lost Evgeny Dadnoff, and they really didn't bring in anyone that that's going to blow me away. Defensively, they still really have the same core. And I don't like Matt Murray as a goaltender. A starting goaltender a team that doesn't have Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin on it, I don't believe in him as a goaltender. So I have Ottawa down at the seven spot. Number six, the Calgary Flames. Now listen, last year I was a lot higher on the Flames. Coming in, I thought they made all the right moves. They got their goaltender, they beefed up their defense, defensive core, and they spread out their offense. They haven't really done much to improve this year the roster that they currently have. They brought in Blake Coleman from the Tampa Bay Lightning, who's going to be a nice little piece there, which I like, but I still don't think that the guys that they have are the pieces that are going to get them there. I don't think Sean Monaghan is improving as a player. I think there's a lot of scrutiny involving Johnny Gaudreau. And listen, I really like Elias Lindholm. I love Dylan Dubé. And I, and I like Matthew Kachuk, but Kachuk has become a lot more known for his antics off the ice than on the ice and really depreciated as a player last year. Defensively, you lost your captain. That's the biggest thing. Mark Giordano has gone and Noah Hannafin is still there. Rasmus Anderson is still there. Tanev is still there. But you replaced him with basically Nikita Zadorov, who is slow. He's big, he's physical, but he is slow and he gets beat quite a lot. Um I'm not making the same mistake I did last year in, in ranking them higher. And all they do is just, unfortunately, they don't live up to the expectations. And I really like what they did two years ago. I love Jacob Markstrom in that. I love the Chris Tana bringing in and they kind of leveled out the, they balanced out the roster, but they need one of their guys to step up and have a year. I don't think Sean Monahan's that guy. And I think you've got to stop playing Goudreau and Monahan together. Cause they just, I know that they were a duo. They've played together before. Switch it up. Put Kachuk with Monaghan, throw Goudreau with Lindholm, see if that works, but I can't put them any higher right now because of every other team. Number five, the Vancouver Canucks. Now, I was almost going to be between them and the Montreal Canadiens, but yeah, I want to see them prove it. You know, defensively, they brought out, they, they moved a lot of guys. Alexander Edler is no longer a member of the Vancouver Canucks. He is gone, and in is Oliver Ekman-Larsen, who has had a lot of scrutiny out in Arizona, who is coming in with a $7.125 million cap hit with six years left on that deal. I don't think he's the player that when he first signed that contract, do I think he's better than what he was the last couple years? Yes, I do. And maybe in a role behind Quinn Hughes and playing with a guy like either Tyler Myers or a Travis Hamannick, who's a little bit more defensive, maybe that allows him to get back to being the player that you know he wants to be and thrives the most. Up front, I love what Vancouver did. They traded for Jason Dickinson from the Dallas Stars. He's their third-line center now, so their center depth is really good. It's Elias Pedersen, Bo Horvat, Jason Dickinson, and then they re-signed Brandon Sutter. They redid his deal to a one-year, $1.125 million deal. He's going to be the fourth-line guy. 
Up front in the addition of Oliver Ekman Larson, Connor Garland was a big part of that trade with the Arizona Coyotes. He is locked up to five years at $4.95 million. Uh, they've still got JT Miller, who's been one of their top players. Brock Besser is playing in a contract year. I know Tanner Pearson wasn't great last year, but I think he's going to play really well. And then you've got some young guys in uh, Niels Hoglander. There's also a rookie that's going to be coming up this year who everyone really likes. And they kind of they went the Toronto Maple Leafs way where they didn't add big name players outside of Ekman Larson defensively, but they added a lot of depth, right? You've got Quinn Hughes. You've got Oliver Ekman Larson. You've got Tyler Myers, Travis Hamannick. They added Tucker Pullman from the Winnipeg Jets, who not a big name, but it's a four-year deal at $2.5 million. Now, maybe he's not the big point guy, but he stabilizes the right side of the defense. They also have Luke Shen, Olu Levy, and then look out this year for rookie Jack Rathbone. He played a couple of games last year towards the end of the year. He's on the final year of his entry-level deal. He could sneak in and be a guy that gets some regular play. He's only, uh, it's going to be 22 years of age. He could be dangerous. And Vancouver's top six is going to be really good. Pedersen with Miller and Besser and then Horvat with Pearson and Garland. I really, I like their top six. In net, it's going to see how Thatcher Demko uh, does. They've got a really good uh, backup goaltender in Yuroslav Halak. And, you know, I'm just, I'm a big fan of what Vancouver did this offseason. But I can't put them ahead of number four, and that is the Montreal Canadiens. Look, say what you want about Montreal. And they got lucky. They were the 18th best team last year, and they made it all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. The fact of the matter is, they made it all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. Philip Deneau is no longer a member of the team. Shea Weber's not going to play this year, but they did make the moves to replace those players. They got rid of Jesperi Kotkaniemi. They let him go. They got some great draft capital in return. I still think it was a great move by Carolina, but I also think it was smart to not sign it for Montreal, take the draft capital, and immediately go out and use one of those draft picks to go get Christian Dvorak, who now slots in to your top six and becomes an impact player. You're also getting Jonathan Drouin back. You are also getting another season of Cole Caulfield, a full season of Cole Caulfield, and Josh Anderson is going to be looking and ready to go to build off of his first year last year. Defensively, Shea Weber's not there anymore. You've still got Jeff Petrie, and you have the addition of David Savard, who is going to fill in and you know be a solid, steady defender. Uh, Alexander Romanoff is going to take a step forward. You've still got uh, Ben Sherratt and Joel Edmondson, who are key contributors to last year's Stanley Cup run. And then in net, yes, Carey Price is coming off injury, but he's still Carey Price and Jake Allen. You've got that goaltending duo. My biggest issue with Montreal is how are they going to be without the presence of Philip Deneau and Shea Weber. I know Deneau isn't your big goal-scoring guy, but he shut down a lot of really good players last year in the playoffs and in the regular season, and now you're tasking that responsibility with either Nick Suzuki or Christian Dvorak. Now, I think Dvorak can do it, but then after that, I don't know where their center depth goes because it goes Suzuki, Dvorak, and Jake Evans, maybe, and over an 82-game season... You know, it's easy when you play seven-game series against the same team, but if you're playing team after team after team after team, 82 games, you know, schedules and, and standings are back to the way they are. You got to do it through 82 games, and we'll see if they do it. I think they're a fringe playoff team to me, but I don't know if they get it or not. Number three, the Edmonton Oilers. Look, they didn't address their goaltending at all, which I think is a huge mistake. Defensively, they traded away Ethan Bear, who was a top-four defenseman for that team. They signed Darnell Nurse to a crazy big contract. 
but they did get deeper up front. They brought in Zach Hyman, who, yes, they're paying a lot of money to, but for those first three years, let's just say, three or four years, that seven-year deal at $5.5 million, that's going to be a guy that's playing with either Leon Dreisaitl or probably Connor McDavid. And all Zach Hyman has done his career is play with superstar centers and either John Tavares, Austin Matthews, and and thrive. And he is a hardworking, tenacious, puck-getting who is capable of scoring 20 to 25 goals a season and playing with McDavid. He might flirt with 30. I don't know. They also brought in uh, Warren Fogle in that trade with Ethan Bear. He's going to come in there and fill out maybe their top nine, but you've still got Dreisaitl. You've still got Kyler Yamamoto, and you pair him with McDavid. You've still got I mean, Cassian still there too, who brings a big physical presence. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of work being put on Darnell Nurse and youngster Evan Bouchard is going to come up and probably play this year because they don't really got a lot of other players. They lost Adam Larson to the Seattle Kraken as well, which is a big loss. So defensively, they might not be what they were if they were anything prior, but you know, offensively they did improve and listen in the reg it's, we're not talking about playoffs. We're talking about regular season standings and in the regular season, McDavid averages two points a game. It's unheard of, but he'll average two points a game. He averaged over two points a game last year in 56 games. He had like 100-and-something points, which is stupid. He'll hit 150 points this year. No problem. Connor McDavid, uh, book it now, 150 points for McDavid. Dreisaitl might get you 120, 130. That's going to be what carries this team. It's been the recipe for how they were carried through the first couple years. It's going to be the same thing this year. At number two, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Listen, I know they lost Zach Hyman. I get it. I understand. And I know that they made a trade for Jared McCann, who then got taken by Seattle. That one freaked out. You know what Toronto didn't do? Pay a defenseman $9.25 million or $9 million to come play for them. Remember when Toronto protected Justin Hall? Justin Hall is a top four defenseman who plays 21 minutes a night who makes $2 million. Toronto's entire defense outside of Zach Bogosian is coming back. Morgan Riley, TJ Brody, Jake Muzzin, Travis Dermott, Justin Hall, Rasmus Sand, they're all coming back. Their defense has not changed. And remember, defense and goaltending was not the problem last year. The goaltender that did really well, Jack Campbell, he's back for another year. You lost Frederick Anderson. You bring in Peter Morazic to a longer extension who's younger than Freddie on a cheaper deal who is a perfect tandem goaltender for Jack Campbell. Up front, Toronto didn't go sign a big offensive player to pair with Marner and Matthews and Nylander and Tavares. No, they signed a lot of proven contracts to players who are young, who are hungry, who want to prove themselves and be a members of this team. Michael Bunting who had a really high shooting percentage last year, but can come in and play top six minutes, who's physical, he is 26 years of age, and has the potential to score maybe 10-15, push 20 goals if he plays top six minutes. You also sign Nick Ritchie, who's big, who's physical, who won as a playoff player, but also chipped in with like 15 goals last year in Boston. Speaking of Boston, you also brought in Andre Kasha, who has dealt with some injuries, but on a one-year $1.25 million deal is a prior 25 goal scorer in the National Hockey League. You got him at $1.25 million. He stays healthy. He could push for 20 goals this year in a little bit of a reduced role. 
They also brought in a couple of young players, including Josh Hosang and Nikita Gusev to possibly uh, to, to PTOs who might make the team. They also brought back Jason Spezza, Nick Robertson, who was trying to push last year before getting hurt. He could push for a roster position. Oh, yeah, and they still have Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander, and John Tavares. Your center depth is set. Alexander Kerfoot is still there. He was a point-per-game player in the regular season last year. They're going to be fine. Everyone is freaking out because they 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 blew the 3-1 lead. They lost to Montreal. I'm telling you right now, they're going to be fine. And number one, the Winnipeg Jets. Listen, Winnipeg, they brought in a top six center when they traded away Patrick Line and Pierre-Luc Dubois. He now gets a full season there. You still have Mark Scheifele, who's like a top 10, top 15 center in the league. You have the super underrated Nikolai Ehlers and Kyle Connor. You have one of the best goaltenders in hockey in Connor Hellebuck, but they also improve defensively. You still have Neil Pionk. You still have Josh Morrissey. They went out and traded for Nate Schmidt, and they went out and traded for Brendan Dillon, who is a big physical defenseman. Dylan DeMello still there. Nathan Bolu still there. They also continued to keep um, Paul Stasny, who they brought back on a contract extension, Andrew Kopp, Adam Lowry. A lot of these players, big, physical, ready to go. I think they're the most complete team. If I were to throw my opinion out there in terms of from the net out, defensively, they got way better than they did last year. And up front, they brought in Paul Stasny. Their center depth is really good. They've got some really like strong, hungry winners. They got a great fourth line center in Riley Nash. I think Winnipeg's going to be the best Canadian team this season. Uh, I'm not going to do any news and notes because there's only really one thing. There was a Logan Brown trade from the Ottawa Senators. To the St. Louis Blues in exchange for Zach Sanford. Uh, it's a good move for Brown. He gets to go to a team in St. Louis who's trying to rebuild and make it back to the postseason. And, you know, Sanford is a good, I guess he's a good uh, roster piece for the Ottawa Senators. Bit of an older guy with a young crowd there. Uh, but that's kind of the only thing going on. And the other big news going on is the New York Rangers are getting set and ready to go to retire Henrik Lundqvist, number 30 this coming season. He is the all-time leader in that organization in almost virtually every category and was just a matter of when, not if it was going to happen. So big congratulations going out to Henrik Lundqvist. His number will be getting retired this year with the New York Rangers. That does it for me. It ran a little long today, but hope you enjoyed. Uh, make sure you follow along. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Instagram, Twitter, and ST Hockey Podcast. The final week where I'm only doing one episode, and the next week I am back to two. So sit, enjoy some preseason. Don't overreact to it because we got regular season games coming up in just over two weeks. Until then, enjoy. That's a wrap.